welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. Another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast coming at you. I'm Leland McRae. Joe Deck is with me. And we do have to start this podcast off on a greatly negative note. Uh, the, you know, shocking news out of Monday morning this week uh, was Chris Frazier, TA's head football coach, uh, very unexpectedly passed away this weekend and uh, just kind of blew me away that that uh, to read that and uh, really shocked me. So uh, completely um, devastated for that community and for, and for his family first, but and that community and that um, program and all the guys that were being led uh, by him as a football coach and his impact in the school for guys and gals. And, and it just, it's, you know, you, you start, you just start, you know, you think about what matters most. And then the football aspect is, is minimal, the on-field stuff, but the impact that he's able to have on these kids, these young men, um, by coaching them in football, but also what he does at school. So just absolutely shocked to hear it, sad to hear it. Um, thoughts are with the family, uh, I know, from both of us. Um, and, and it's just it was just a shocker. Yeah, obviously it's something you're not expecting. And as you said, our thoughts are with the family and hope that they can – get through this tough time. And of course, you know, the time of the season doesn't make it any easier either. either. Um, it's very, really sad news. And as you said, I think shocking. I mean, when I saw that, I was just kind of like, couldn't believe it. So, um, but and, and, thoughts know, with the family. Young guy. Hopefully, yeah. 59 is not old. Yeah. So this isn't an, a 90 year old coach, you know, still right. uh, roaming the sidelines. So it's, it's really sad to see um, on there. And yeah, the, the thoughts there. And, and the one aspect of the football I will talk about is that, you know, it was a program that had dipped down and he had brought it back up and they won their first Valley district championship since uh, like 2001. And that's, that's incredible. They were a great team uh, these last two years, really great team. And he'd really built them up and there was no sign of them, you know, uh, dipping back down anytime soon. They had a lot of talent coming back. And so for the football side of it, that's what I'll say to it is that he was, he had really succeeded and uh, you hate to kind of put the ED on the end of that. He was really succeeding was, was how we were thinking about that. So um, huge loss for the whole community, the whole Valley district, the whole region of teams, you know, everybody knows each other and you just saw an outpouring of support from other head coaches uh, all talking about what kind of guy he was. And then that's, that's always a good sign uh, for anybody that doesn't, you know, know somebody is, when other people aren't talking about their achievements, they're talking about how they were as a person. Uh, that's always a great sign of the impact they were having. So a, a huge loss up there at TA. All right. So going uh, to basketball and then a hard, hard transition there. Going to the basketball. Uh, we had a game last week. I kind of signified the game for last week as being Stanton versus Rockbridge. Stanton, you know, off to a two and two start at the beginning of last week. And you were expecting, you know, all those returning players to kind of pay off or something. And I think you started seeing that this week with that win over Rockbridge. They beat them twice now this year. Rockbridge, a solid program there. Uh, but they're, they're getting a lot out of Manny Chapman. They're, you know, Jamal's doing a good job for him. So, you know, I, I think Stanton's starting to show us what they could be. And that's, yeah, that's a team that's going to vie for a district championship here. Uh, obviously, Wilson, with the great start that they have, is going to be the other one that most obviously gets talked about. But uh, Stanton with the big win last week against Rockbridge. But here they are. They're going to start Shenandoah district play, and they're going to open up with Buffalo Gap, a Gap team that's off to a 4-1 and one start. Um, so I think that's the game of the week coming up is those two local teams playing this week, and that's what I'm most looking forward to. 
Yeah, and of course, that's a big test for Gap early, right? Because again, Buffalo Gap's off to a hot start, much like they have been the past few seasons. The question is, are they a real contender this season? Well, you're playing a team that a lot of people view as a potential contender in Stanton. So Stanton uh, will have a a great chance uh, to kind of maybe beat Buffalo Gap and put Buffalo Gap behind the eight ball, so to speak, there early. But it, you know, Coach Mickens is a great coach. We've seen him take his team very deep to a state championship before. It's now time to see if Coach Ward can get Buffalo Gap ready to play in what is going to be, in my opinion, their toughest test of the year by far. One note that I wanted to say, just looking down the line here, Riverhead's, you know, finally getting into action this week. And I think someone asked, you know, I was at work and someone asked, like, well, why does Riverhead's wait until uh, football season's over for them to start playing basketball? You see, you know, Stewart's draft get going and you see, I mean, Galax played, games the week of the state championship game they were playing basketball when when you look at the score line from riverhead's win last week you, you see why because the top two guys are football players and, and it's just a big part of the team and that that's what brings riverheads back to reminding everybody that's a small school they need the players from the other teams to play on their different sports and wrestling uh very much too so uh riverheads getting into action there but you know a lot of familiar names are gonna be talked about through basketball season there but Looking ahead, girls, you know, Stanton Gap for the boys isn't the only game of the week. Stanton Gap for the girls, also a big game. Uh, you know, Gap has a good history of good, solid basketball. They're in that class one now. So I think they do have a, you know, Philip Morgan's going to get them teed up to play their best basketball at the right time. I think an early season test here with a, Stewart's, with a Stanton team that's also trying to kind of prove themselves. They have 1,000-point score, Emma Witt. Um, now uh, we talked to Patrick Height. He's writing all those behind the scenes from them, but she's their big leader. I think that's a big-time game there happening this week. Yeah, it's going to be great to see Buffalo Gap and Stanton in both boys' and girls' basketball highlighting the week for for our, our you know, game of the week uh, in both. And I think you're right. I think you know the interesting part with Buffalo Gap is the fact that it's such a young team and they're off to this hot start, kind of like the boys. Now, the boys in the past have been off to hot starts, and then once district play, they end up about middle of the pack. For the girls to be this young and off to a hot start, we want to see, can they keep doing what they've done? Uh, I think it was my first year here. They went all the way to the state championship. Yeah. So they have that success in their recent history. Can they get back to that? Yeah. I'm, we're hoping so. I mean, hopefully they're all they're mm-hmm. all good, but I think it's a good early test and measuring stick. The one other team in the girls I want to talk about, Fort Defiance, I think that's a real interesting team. Can they, yeah. you know, be one of those top teams? I think it's so interesting with Mike Gale there, and, and they're shooting the threes. They, they had a game last week where they tied the state record for most three-pointers made. Uh, you got the ransom girl that already went over 1,000 points here in this season. So I, I just think that's like – you know, I think it was the same when he was at Stewart's draft. I think it, for the one year he's at Rockbridge, we had that too. Like, you just want to see how that system changes how that team looks. The thing we saw a lot at Stewart's draft for the boys when Coach Gale was there was slow starts and then really get rolling. And then if they get any kind of decent seed in the playoffs, really able to make a run. I'm interested if we could see that, maybe not just this year, but as these years go on, uh, assuming he's there for a while at, at Fort Defiance. I want to see if there's that similar – uh, pattern there, or if they're able to achieve more regular season success. But I do think that system plays well for the playoff system when you can surprise a team that's not expecting it. Yes, but I think the competition in Region 3C is going to be really tough. I don't think you're going to see them surprise as many teams as they did in 2B. That's probably fair, but 
I, I it could help them win a, an extra game or two than I think they would have without, uh, you know, that, that kind Maybe. of thing. And uh, what does those two, two games mean? You know, that, that, that's sure. the kind of thing. Um, I think here initially, they, especially these first couple of years, they could just be higher seeded than, uh, than we expected, would have expected them to be otherwise. Because I, I don't necessarily want to just say it, it's a gimmick offense, but it, it's, a, <laughs> it's a bit of a gimmick offense. You know, it's, you're just doing so much different. You're, you're forcing other teams to take part in a, in a pace that they're not used to. It can really throw some teams off. I remember watching the boys play, uh, Stuart Straff playing teams, and you just it would throw off the momentum of the other team. And it was, you know, could that other team, you know, force what they want more so? And it's really hard against – because it's not just offensively. It's defense. They're going for every single steal. And so you got to be able to handle the – okay, I'm getting this easy layup here, but that doesn't mean all of a sudden now we're just in rush offense. So it, it's just interesting on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. All right, we're up to football quickly already. JMU season's over. They went to North Dakota. They really did not play well the first half, and that was just too big a hole for them to overcome. They played much better in the second half and really gave the fans something to cheer for. But North Dakota's too good a team to, to dig that hole big a hole against and still win a game. Your, your quarterback just cannot play as poorly as he did in the first half and then still win that football game. And then that's what got proven true. Yeah, I would have loved to see the end of the game, uh, but I was the <laughs> victim of the YouTube TV and Disney dispute. So um, once that it's happened, yeah, once that happened, it cut off mid drive for JMU. I think they were at the 35 yard line when it cut out trying to tie or take the lead. And, um, I didn't get to see the end of the game. I saw the final score, but uh, them's the breaks. Made a switch. Even though YouTube TV got it resolved the next day, I had uh, already made the switch to Comcast. The reason I had left Comcast was because they didn't have ACC Network. Comcast just recently got ACC Network, so decided now is the time to switch <laughs> back. And uh, now I get Masson, so great. <laughs> well, but that it, is good. I guess to, in terms of JMU, uh, it's the last year of the FCS. They're going to be playing more meaningful games starting next year, and the games will matter, and there will be actually good competitive games the, for the majority of the season and not just this game in the national semifinal. So I think that's better for JMU. I think it's better for JMU that they're leaving just to, just to be seen. Uh, your games are going to be on ESPN+. Plus. They're going to be on on actual television, um, ESPN2, ESPN occasionally during the week, not hidden behind Flow Sports. I think that's great for JMU and their brand. So I think the move is great. I know it stinks that they didn't win the FCS championship in their last year in the FCS, but them's the breaks. And um, I, I wanted to see more, you know, when they won the national championship, like if they were to have, I wanted to see like the CAA's tweet, you know, commending them on the, yeah, that's, the national, that's what I was here for. You you won't have to worry about that awkward tweet from the CAA <laughs> claiming JMU uh, in that brief moment in time before, you know, like Dwight in the office reshunning them. Um, but which is kind of a two way street, if we're being honest. But um, I just yeah, I don't care. Uh, it's interesting to see the pivot JMU fans have already made with the North Dakota State fans celebrating beating JMU and telling JMU fans they were a little overconfident going into Fargo, which they absolutely were. Um, 
and then saying, uh, JMU fans already pivoting, being like, the fact is the average college football fan doesn't care about the FCS. And I was like, welcome to the party. I've been saying it for years. We've been waiting for you. (laughs) So I am glad I won't have to argue with any more stupid fans about the meaning of the FCS championship anymore. So, talking about FBS football, Virginia Tech is going to play in the We got another episode Bowl. before that. That's true. We do. So, we don't have to talk about that. I thought it was time, and I, you are dead right. We are going to record next Monday, so we, we can lay off that. Um, yeah, there's not much to talk about there, then, for Virginia Tech uh, and UVA, either one. We'll talk about the bowl game next week. I'll just say I'm, I'm worried about all these guys that Virginia Tech that the, just hit the point that I was going to hit with Virginia Tech, we have a lot of guys from the roster missing for one reason or another, in, entering the portal, going to the draft. Um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, we've all rallied behind this feeling of Virginia Tech family and, you know, hard-nosedness that our program is used to having that I think has eroded these last few years. I think this bowl game is going to either – it's either going to, it's going to reinforce one of the two sides, but I don't think, you know, the idea of getting back to what we were used to being is gone either way, but I think it's either going to show the depletedness of our, of our roster and our team and, and that just hard loan and or grit uh, isn't going to get it done. The lack of grit that we have, or, you know, we do put something together. I, I, I felt a little bit in the UVA game that, you know, some of the JC stuff and all that, like, you know, we, we, we did still have that fight in us. I just think we're we're way man down, and it's gonna it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be a tough one. I think we're gonna lose to Maryland. So if that's what you're worried about, that's a legit yeah. concern. Yeah. Um, in oh, terms of saying. people leaving, it's what you wanted. You wanted I don't to clean care. roster. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> These guys weren't winners here. Let them go be losers somewhere else. I don't care. The ones going to the draft, I just. Good luck, buddy. I don't know. Most of them. them. I would say Mitchell may be coming off an injury. He'll be fine to get drafted still just because of the raw talent he has. But like I sent one to you. I sent one to you today, and I was like, who is advising this kid to go pro? Yeah. Transfer portal makes much more sense. Yeah, I just – and he – we had a person last year who was better than he was at that position, and he didn't get drafted until, like, the sixth round. So I, I just don't get it. I, to me, I was really scratching my head being like, look, I wish we would have seen you on the field more, but I don't think any NFL scout's going to look at you in terms of your size and be like, absolutely, we want this kid. And I don't think they're going to look at his college game film and be blown away either. It's just... And you can say that's a victim of the system he's in. Okay, but that's what he's going into the pros with. Like, that's his tape. And so I just don't think that's successful. I, I think he's probably not going to get drafted. Uh, and I wish that, you know, I'm never going to tell somebody they can't go get money. But I just wish the people advising them would be better at that kid's well-being. And I think he would get more money if he stayed another year versus trying to go right now and potentially not get drafted and go be on somebody's practice squad for about two weeks until they figure out that you actually aren't very good. And then you get cut. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, kind of fair enough. Um, looking at 
bowl games that already happened. I have a bunch of matchups that we talked about last week where no one have to go through each one of these. Which one of those, you know, results or something stood out to you? For me, uh, you know, BYU was making a lot of noise about where they got placed in a bowl game and what they might have missed out on, and they did get the Independence Bowl there. Well, they lost it to UAB, so it just made me want to tell you uh, to tell BYU fans to shut up. Yeah, they're not good. Um, yeah. I think you took. I think I'm winning our picks. UTEP, it, yeah, I, I had UTEP. They you, lost my touchdown. You had UTEP, yeah. and then I think you also picked Eastern Michigan, didn't you? Because you did not want to pick Liberty. I might have to go back to the tape. Okay, <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably picked against Liberty. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I, my hat goes off to the Raging Cajuns. It's the only investment that panned out in the Bulls so far. Bulls have been a disaster. Appalachian State failed me. Fresno State did not cover. Yeah, did not cover. Is that one game? Um, 31-24. Mm-hmm, did not cover. BYU, miserable. Oregon State, delete your football program. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> at least the Raging Cajuns pulled it out. And that was a game for the first half that I was like, uh-oh. But it'll be fine. So we picked a couple for Tuesday night that have yet to play as we record this, but the podcast will probably be coming out during the Frisco Bowl. San Diego um, so State, picked Wyoming. But Just to let's remind people. Look, yeah. <laughs> let's look ahead <laughs> and see what we got Wednesday. The Armed Forces Bowl versus having Missouri versus Army. Well, am I going to not pick the armed forces? Let's go Army. I'm with you. There's nothing about Missouri makes me want to pick them. Uh, Frisco football classic on Thursday night, North Texas versus Miami of Ohio. This is two, two teams I know nothing about. The mean green of North Texas. You know the mascot. There we go. They actually have an eagle as their logo. I don't know why they're called the mean green, but they are called the mean green. They're in Denton, Texas, in case you were wondering. Um, the Gasparilla Bowl, UCF versus Florida. Hmm. This is one I haven't, I don't know about a winner. I know I like UCF with the points, but six and a half, but I got Florida. I'll take UCF. I think Florida's fake. I think they're reinvigorated now that Dan Mullen's out of the room. I don't think so. <laughs> Friday, Hawaii Bowl. Memphis versus Hawaii on oh, Christmas Eve. Hawaii is the home doggy, and I will take the home doggy. Mm, that's hard to argue. I don't think a lot of Memphis is here, so yeah, I'm with you on Hawaii. December 25th, Christmas Day in the afternoon, you can sit down with your family and watch the Georgia State team take on Ball State. Which state do you have, Georgia or Ball? I'm going to take Georgia because it's actually a state. Okay, I'll tell you who I'm picking. He flipped a coin. I'm watching it's it It's Georgia happen. State. Ah, we agree. Monday, December 27th, because he takes Sunday off for the NFL, the Detroit Bowl, Western Michigan versus Nevada. It's Nevada, another Nevada. almost home game for Western Michigan. I'll take the Broncos. 
I want to pick against you here, but I'm not gonna. Military Bowl, Boston College versus ECU. You know what? I'm gonna ride with Mike Houston and Dem Boys. I wanted you to take the ACC team. Darn it. We're still picking the same. Tuesday, December 28th. And this is where we start getting four bowl games a day. But we'll record again before these are on. But we'll still pick them now. Uh, the Birmingham Bowl. Houston versus Auburn. Go. Houston. Yep. First responders bowl. Air Force versus Louisville. I'm going to take a first responder in Air Force. because I, 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 I think They're not a Louisville. first responder, but okay. <laughs> they, they respond first in, a, in, in American wars <laughs> okay um oh this is tough i'll I'd go just I'd so we're different have... i'll go louisville oh there we go we finally go in different liberty bowl mississippi state versus texas tech mississippi state yeah texas tech has a new coach their coach is gone yeah and holiday their texas bowl. tech yeah and that that always hurts you oh holiday bowl nc state versus ucla i have nc state and that's on Fox. So it is on Fox. It, it's almost a home game for UCLA. Take them, man. Uh, no, I'm going to take NC State. I Cactus Bowl, West Virginia versus Minnesota. I'm going to pick with my heart. Go Minnesota. <laughs> I think West Virginia wins. <laughs> they probably do, but I was I didn't, I didn't realize they were they finished six and six. I didn't. Man, that was a bad team we lost to. So we'll pick all the rest <laughs> of the bowl games next week. Uh, or all the, you know, bowl games for New Year's next week, uh, <laughs> including those matter. semifinals. Yeah. What are you saying? I missed you. All the ones that matter. All the ones that matter. Yeah, ones that we might actually know something about. Well, and even some of those won't matter either, but yeah. Flip yeah. less coins next week. Yeah. All right. Uh, basketball, we rocked St. Bonaventure. It was kind of the, I'm not going to call it a wake-up call, but at least it was like a refreshing, like we played a game like we're supposed to. We didn't care what the opponent was doing. We just came out, played solidly good basketball, and that turned out to be a rolling of St. Bonaventure, a a program that's not a bottom-of-the-barrel program. So we'll take it. Uh, But we played Duke this week, Wednesday night at 9 o'clock on ESPN2. Yeah. That's going to be a not-fun experience probably. Um, But – St. Bonaventure was one of those teams that when that initial top 25 after the first week came out and we were talking about, wow, Virginia Tech's not in the top 25. What's up with that? And then they kind of proved why in subsequent weeks. But St. Bonaventure was another one of those teams that was like, I think, 11 when they when it came out. I was like, I feel like we're better than St. Bonaventure. And we were by about 37 points. So now Duke might be 37 points better than we are if we play like we did against Wake Forest. But. Hopefully, I've seen Mike Young and I've seen Virginia Tech teams beat Duke before when I thought they didn't have a chance. So hopefully that's what happens on Wednesday. It was just a couple of weeks ago. I thought we had a darn good chance to be, and I was really confident that we just go in there mm-hmm. and beat Duke. And uh, so I'm, I'm hoping I, I get reminded of what I was seeing then. Uh, we haven't seen a whole lot of that since Thanksgiving, but I'd, I'd love for uh, that to be the wake up call that I'm that I'm looking for. UVA beat a team FDU. Is that what Fairleigh Dickinson? I guess Fairleigh Dickinson. Uh, they beat them by 33, so they scored 82 points. That's a good a good way to beat a basketball team. I think UVA tries to beat people with 50 too often. But they play Clemson Wednesday night, 8 p.m. ACC Network, and now that Comcast You know what? ACC I didn't think about this. Wide. I didn't think about this until just now. That deal happened like a week or two right before their problem with YouTube TV really got going. 
I I wonder if that played a role in Comcast and ACC Network finally coming to the table. Yeah, to be there, to be the to, to be, be the, there for YouTube. Yeah, that makes me even. Like, hey, you're dropping YouTube. You can come back to us. Yep, yeah, maybe. great. I'm in bed with the devil. All right. Well, uh, they all stink. Um. All right. So, but UVA starting. You know, I keep hearing from UVA fans that aren't fair weather fans. I've heard plenty of those. But hell, we'll get it right in the ACC season. It's time. Got to start being right. They might. Someone has to finish second. By rule, someone has to be the second best team in the conference behind Duke. Was it Florida State? Probably. Maybe. Yeah. Um, let's talk about your VCU women. They're not on a good road right now. They've lost three straight. Um, pretty heartbreaking losses. Uh, but... Uh, right now, they're in COVID protocols, so they're going to be hoping to get out of that and get back into play. I know that their game Wednesday against Delaware uh, was canceled due to COVID, so obviously I'm hoping that everyone there is doing okay and not having any bad symptoms and the people that are positive or mild, so hoping for the best with that situation and hoping VC women's once they're back on the court, will be ready to go and can break that losing streak. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right. So getting to the NFL here, I watched zero NFL this weekend. Wow. I'm somewhat aware of some of the headlines. There's no way I know all of them. Mm -hmm. I saw some finals. I know the Ravens lost. I know the Steelers won. And I know Washington got pushed to Tuesday because of a lot of COVID stuff happened in the NFL. Mm -hmm. So why don't you just tell me, the three biggest topics that we need to talk about in the NFL. Okay. Three biggest topics. Well, we're going to start with the Ravens one um, because the Ravens lost again. Ravens number one, not Ravens one. Ravens, that's the number, number one. one. Yes. Because they don't win. They, they lose. We have more wins than a team in Western Pennsylvania that is in an abandoned not town. In the last three weeks. That, that is a <laughs> shell of itself. And one of them was heads up. And I mean, actually, you know what, when, when the entire country's underwater, <laughs> it'll be that town's fault. So I'm just going to put it all on them. But <laughs> uh, anyway, the Baltimore Ravens, number one. You're going underwater first. <laughs> uh, they might. They're near Lake Erie. They might go under before we do. Um, if we get to the mountains. But um, <laughs> with the Ravens. They lost on a two-point conversion attempt against the Packers. They had a chance to kick the extra point and tie it or go for they two. They lost on a two-point conversion? I feel like that happened before one time. Look, it's the right call. I will die on this hill. I don't care. There are a lot of Baltimore sports radio today that's going after John Harbaugh saying, I can't believe he did that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and it's just people who don't believe in the team. What I love about John Harbaugh, they, they released a NFL Films kind of thing where he's talking to the players and he goes up to them and says, Hey guys, we can either go for two here or we can kick the extra point and take it into overtime. What do you guys want to do? And the players are like, let's, let's win this right now. Now they ended up not winning it. I didn't love the play call, but it's the right decision to go for two. It's always the right decision to go for two when you have a chance to win. And this is, I saw this on Twitter and I totally agree with it. I think it's from a Baltimore TV station actually. Can't believe Harb's two-point call is even being debated. So you wanted the Ravens to kick it, 
Hope you win a 50-50 coin toss in overtime. Hope you can drive all the way back down the field to get exactly where you already are, which is in a position to win the game. You're in a position to win the game right there and not need overtime. Don't even give give the Packers the chance to win the coin toss and drive the field on your defense, which is full of people who were bagging groceries two days ago because all of your players are either hurt or have COVID in the secondary. So I I just, I don't understand people who don't, who are cowards and don't understand this. They're like, well, I just like extending the game. Well, I don't. I like the chance to not extend the game. I want to take the other team's chance to win away from them. Yeah. I'm I'm not actually arguing. I like that the Steelers won because of a couple weeks ago, and it doesn't make me hurt to see. But honestly, you won because your player happened to alter a pass. That was the right play. Mark Andrews was wide open. If T.J. Watt doesn't step in the middle of that passing lane on a pass rush, that's a two-point conversion, and the Ravens beat the Steelers. Yeah, I, I, I'm actually agreeing with you. I, I, I don't know what words I said that made you think I was arguing with you. I, I, I agree with you. You go for it. And I come from a high school that has always, you know, Coach Castro always goes for it on the two for the win. But he talks about it from August 1st on, that if we're in this position, we're going to go for it. We're going to go for the win. It, it you know, my high school career ended on it. I've seen other kids' high school careers end on it. And, you know, if it comes up in the next game he coaches, I, I expect the same unless, for, you know, I, I'm not at practice, so maybe he's not saying that anymore. But, like, you know, I like it. I like the aggressiveness. I like going for the win. And similar to Jim Harbaugh, you know, we're talking about championship-level coaches. We're talking about Jim Harbaugh who has won a Super Bowl. So you, you have that confidence to do that. So let your coach coach. I don't see anybody in the organization – yeah, that's the good news. No one, like, no one's matter. opinion who matters is questioning yeah. what John Harbaugh did. And just the same that, like, they weren't coming after Casto when he did it. And the, uh, the first, you know, my career ended one championship in his pocket at that point. And, you know, no one was calling for his head. It was what you did. So, um, you know, different levels of football. But still, like, you have that confidence to do that with your team. You know what they, you can do. And, it's you know, it's a 50-50 situation. And, you know, you know, you don't want to, you know, it's not actually 50, 50 out of two, you know, so it'll even out at some point likely to, um, but I I just, I don't get the mentality of just kick the extra point. I'm telling you, you have a chance to win a game from two to three yards away. All you need is two to three yards with your offense and you win the game and you don't want to take that opportunity. You'd rather kick it and then hope the other team doesn't win a coin toss and get the ball. I I don't understand that. I I will never understand that. You kind of say it in a way that 100% of the time that's the right decision. I, I think there is positions where, you know, if you're playing a team with a really staunch defense and you're in like a maybe a low-scoring game, maybe maybe you choose different. If you have a really a kicker that can kick it really long or you have a lot of faith in your defense, maybe there's situations you wouldn't. But, like, I think these specific times that we've talked about it with your team in the two of the last three weeks, I, I agree with you. I think you do go for it. I, like I said, I'm happy it worked in my favor one of those times. But – as it was happening, watching it happen against my rival, I was like, yeah, it's the right call. They, sh- they should go for it here, and I was nervous. You know, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, I should go for it. We're going to win. So, yeah, yeah I, I agree with you in these cases. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think there – I, I can imagine scenarios where I, I would – if someone kicks it, I'm not going to just call them a big wuss. I, I would – okay. No. Um, that's, that's a loser's mentality, kicking the extra point and trying to play for <laughs> overtime. Lord knows I'm going to have a loser's mentality. Like. <laughs> no, but you're admitting it. that's the right the right call there was to go for two. So that's not a loser's With mentality. Your player personnel issues yes. and stuff like that. But, and, uh, 
Even if our secondary is healthy, I like going for two. You're telling me I get to maybe not have to face Aaron Rodgers again? Yeah. I don't want to put the ball in Aaron Rodgers' hand at the end of the football game ever. So I don't want that. And also, I like, for your case, I like my quarterback from two and a half yards out. Yeah. But so, okay, so that brings me to point number two. Well, maybe 1.5. Come on. Huntley, <laughs> Huntley, the backup quarterback for the Ravens, looked oh, really Ravens. great. He looked actually yeah, really good. He was not job. the reason we lost to the Packers. No, he and he can he can do a he lot can of run, he can things. throw. Yes. He's very similar to Lamar. That's what I've always said with these teams with scrambling quarterbacks. I don't understand why more of them don't understand your backup needs to be also in that same vein and play that style because otherwise you're only hurting yourself. Like to to take. And say, this is our offense. This is how we want to run. And then as soon as that guy gets hurt, okay, now we're going to run something completely different. Good luck, everyone learning it. Like, that's just not smart. So I'm glad that the Ravens have done this the correct way, having a Lamar Jackson as quarterback and finding a guy that is a Lamar Jackson-esque kind of player. He's not as athletic as Lamar Jackson. He's not as – I wouldn't pick him over Lamar Jackson necessarily – But this brings me to my next point, and this is what I was alluding to you yesterday on my take. Our running backs... Hot take time for Joe. Hot take time. Our running backs, we don't have running backs. They're all hurt. Our top four options at running back were gone before we even stepped on the field this year. Forget running backs. Look at Latavius Murray and say, we don't need you. Get the hell out. Um, Put Huntley on one side... Lamar on the other in the backfield. Snap oh. it to either one. Ooh. They both can run. They both can pass. Let's see what happens. Let's get nuts. I, I want to do that. Gap, Buffalo Gap 2020 offense. Well, it'll be different because both of these guys can actually pass, and I think we actually <laughs> would, you know, pass the ball occasionally. That's an idea, Joe. I just want to see what happens if we do it. You think Harbaugh, who's under fire, no. or the two-point person, all of a sudden is going to throw two quarterbacks in the field? I don't the think time? he will, and he probably shouldn't. <laughs> I don't think he will. And he, like I said, he probably shouldn't. When you, come in, you probably should do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would like to see it just to see what happens and see if it would work. But I will say this. John Harbaugh is not going to get fired by the Ravens for going for two. That's not going to happen. The Ravens are smarter than that. Um, the, the people who get in – who get well, what outraged? About the middle game? They lost. They lost last week to who? Mm. They've lost three in a row, right? Let me look. I'm Let just wondering yeah. if they finish eight and nine. If they just lose a lot here, lose the last four games. Like I just wonder. I don't know. I mean, I it's just, not like, impossible. If they lose three of three of the four, like then what are we talking about? He's like, not getting not talking fired. About, We're talking like, about him not getting fired. I don't. It just seems like they're they can't get over a hump here, and sometimes you see moves made just to spark a light. We're eight and six, so we are tied with the Bengals in the division. I think as it sits right now, we are actually outside of the playoffs. I might be wrong about that, but to answer your question, our loss before was to the Browns by two points. That was a game where we came back. Um, so we lost to the Steelers by yeah, one, the Browns yeah. by two, and the Packers by one. We so play at Cincinnati. It's going to be tough. Yeah. The first game against Cincinnati did not go well at all. But 
I think we're going to win that game. They've had your number these last couple of years, haven't they? I think we'll win that game. Okay. The Rams. It's a tough opponent. It is. Very tough opponent. I don't have a lot of confidence. (laughs) And then the season ends with probably a, a playoff game on the line against the Steelers. And I think we can win that game. So that's three games left here. Losing two or three, probably probably not talking about this. Well, what if you do lose all three? You don't fire John Harbaugh. Okay. And I don't think the Ravens will. I, I just I just I just wonder about the switch up. I mean, you know, you're a person that talks a lot about winning when you have them now. And, you know, you're making the argument about having to win right now mm-hmm. with Lamar Jackson and stuff. I mean, that was argument what, two years ago. That was two seasons ago. Like, I just wonder if someone looks at it, and especially if if you really dwindle that bad, losing the last six, if it was losing these last three, I just wonder. I just wonder. It'll be talked about if if they're if they miss out on the playoffs. I think it's a discussion. Maybe they don't do it, but maybe it's, hey, we all good with what's going on here. I hear what you're saying, but I think there's other things here. There is. You had no. You don't have. You don't. Your defense got. Your four running backs got hurt before you stepped on the field to play a game this year. Your secondary got absolutely decimated right before this losing streak. Right. So, and and you were within a point against Aaron Rodgers. So, and, and who knows what happens against the Rams? I don't have a lot of confidence, but I will say this: in the NFL this season. There has been upsets galore. The NFC, when they've played the AFC, has not done well generally uh, in in interconference games. So maybe the Ravens won't be in trouble in that game. It is in Baltimore. I don't know. But my thing is, you're not going to fire John Harbaugh because he is the most successful coach. You were one of the best teams in the AFC last year. You're not going to fire him for just missing the playoffs this year. It's just not going to be something that happens. Uh, For the same reason, Mike Tomlin is not going to get fired if the Steelers don't make the playoffs this year. Sure. And and I I think the ownership has confidence in John Harbaugh. I don't think they're upset that he's going for two in these situations and trying to win the game because he thinks he has the best players on the field. I'm trying to pull away from the going for two. I'm just trying to. You know, I see three straight losses with at least two tough games ahead. Yeah, I'd say all three could are potentially tough. I mean, two of them are division rivals, and then the other two one's are definitely tough. And then the other one the is your biggest rival that always seems to be a close game. Yeah, your Steelers found a way to win, like you said. Um, What's the other storyline? What do we got? The other storylines I would talk about the Cardinals. They did not look good oh, yeah. against the Lions. Um, they got absolutely housed and to be honest, I watching that game cause it was on red zone quite a bit cause the lions were scoring. I just kind of kept waiting for the Cardinals to turn it on and it never happened. So that's what I mean when I say the NFL this year has just been kind of weird. Uh, it's, there are upsets every week that you're not expecting. So maybe the Ravens get that this that week when they play the the um, Rams is the team I was looking for. But the other thing I want to talk about, Leland, just quickly on teams that are up and down. The Miami Dolphins are seven and seven. They have won six straight games. The Dallas Cowboys, like I told you, are not in trouble. The majority of their games, 
In fact, I think all their games left now at this point are against their division, which sucks. <laughs> they beat the Giants, they will beat the football team, and they will beat the Eagles because that division sucks. The football team <laughs> and the Eagles will play each other on Tuesday. One of those teams has – well, I guess they could tie. But chances are one of those teams will win only because they're playing the other one. Not a good division. That being said, Washington and the Eagles are battling for a wild card spot because the NFC is horrendous. I mean, also, the Chiefs one, are back. The bottom, yeah. the bottom of the NFC playoffs is one game worse than the bottom of the AFC. So, okay. no. Yeah. I mean, the team sitting in seventh place right now is seven and seven. The team sitting in seventh place in the AFC is eight and six. No. What do you mean by no? I mean that the team in the bottom of the NFC is, are they seven it's and seven? Eight, who are seven and seven. Oh, yeah. Oh. I forgot. The football team hasn't played yet, so that's why they've dropped a half game out. They were heading into the week at six and seven, the team that was in seventh. Yeah, I, I just, eight and six and seven and seven, there's a big difference there. And if you're asking me Buffalo Bills, New Orleans Saints, who do one, I like? One, one game difference, yes. there is. If you're asking me Buffalo Bills or New Orleans Saints, I'll take the Buffalo Bills. I'll take the Ravens. I'll even take the Steelers over the Saints. And the Saints just beat the Bucks. That's good. All right, you have any more NFL topics? How about how about how's the, the Jaguars are good. doing? Hmm? How's the Jaguars doing? Oh, Urban Meyer. Yeah, I can't believe we forgot about him. That's a real shame. <laughs> yeah, I feel real bad about it. I was rooting for that guy. He's just down on his luck, isn't he? He's something. <laughs> I'm so happy to see him out of the league. Like I, I'm glad it's embarrassing. You know, sometimes. You don't like to root for people to fail, but sometimes you do. And sometimes I, you Meyer do. is one of those guys. I just, when they hired him, I was like, this doesn't seem right. It's kind of how I feel about Brian Kelly right now at LSU. I just, it doesn't seem right. I hope this doesn't work because I just don't like it. And it didn't work for Urban Meyer. I feel good for Trevor Lawrence that he's going to have an opportunity to not be, not have Urban Meyer over his head. And I, I think the franchise made a good choice. I think I'm worried, though, about that franchise choosing the next head coach. I think they do a really poor job at choosing head coaches. So I'd like for someone to get in the ownership's ear and uh, help them select the right kind of guy that can use the talent that they already have on the roster and obtain more good talent and actually make them good. When you think about it, they've only had one good coach in their entire franchise's history, and it was their first one. It's, get somebody. Oh, Del Rio had him playing decent, all right, for a Del while. Del Rio was not a good coach. He had him playing good for a while. Tom Coughlin was the good coach they've had. Yeah, Tom Coughlin was very good. I'm not. I'm not saying anything against Tom Coughlin, but Del Rio, he had them good. Like he they was. Were they were too there. inconsistent when Del Rio was there. Tom Coughlin had them. They were a consistent, well-oiled machine when Tom Coughlin was there. Yeah, but Del Rio is not as good a coach as Coughlin. I'm, I'm done. Arguing, I don't like, think Del. What I'm saying is Del Rio wasn't a good coach. Average is being nice to Jack Del Rio. I think he was below average. Okay. I am still, though, happy that Urban's gone. And I, what did it take? Did it take the him kicking his kicker to, to get him out of there? Was that, was that what it took? I think it was Trevor Lawrence saying we don't need any more distractions that got him gone. Because I think the ownership read that as, uh-oh, our franchise quarterback is not happy with our coach. 
Now, Trevor Lawrence did not say Urban Meyer by name, did not even say coach distractions. He said, we just need to stop with the distractions. That was the end of Urban Meyer. Because that's when that story comes out about the kicker. I think the ownership was just like, you know what? We're done here. It's not going well. It's a constant headache. They end up getting beat by the Texans this week. So they've got bigger problems than just Urban Meyer. But but their problem might be that Trevor Lawrence might not be very good. Uh, I'm not going to write him off yet. I, I, I don't, I, I'm no, gonna... I'm not saying I'm done with him yet, but I'm just saying, based on what we've seen so far, like it's not like he's putting up good numbers and they're losing. It's, he's putting up yeah. He went to the last numbers. place team and, yeah, hasn't magically made them better in season one, just like Peyton Manning didn't do in Indianapolis. But sure, let's, let's say that he might not be very good. Didn't take Peyton long, though. It didn't, so let's give him a minute. Like, <laughs> let's not just give him 30 seconds and two different head coaches in his first year. Like, give the kid three or four years before I write him off. Kyler Murray turned the Cardinals around pretty quick. Won a couple national championships. Seemed all right then. Joe Burrows turned the Bengals around pretty quick. He was hurt last year. So, like, he's had one full season now and we have it and 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 why why are we quick why are we so quick as we watch sports talk all the time on espn so quick to make our final judgments about these players when he has played 14 games in the nfl like and and all everything that's going on around him he has to have tebow coming in his locker room he has to have all this other crap that's happening in jacksonville his coach not even flying home with the team all this stuff and then all this other stuff is happening on this team that makes the team disorganized and terrible. And it's like, well, I mean, you know, he's probably just not that good. He doesn't look that good. Like, just give him a minute, man. Like, why do we have to even say that? Like, why, why do we feel as like people that host a sports podcast that we have to give this final word on this first year guy, if he's third year and we're still ahead. We're probably still shortchanging it because we see guys get good in year four and five sometimes, but why in year one in game 14, do we have to sit here and say, Oh, he's probably not pretty good. When everything around him has gone bad and nothing to do with him. He's not staying in Ohio. I haven't seen him rubbing up on any college chicks. Like, let's give the kid a minute. He's I don't got even, 14 like, interceptions. I'm not even, like, Trevor Lawrence fan, but, like, my goodness. He's got like, nine touchdowns and 14 picks. He's only completed 58% of his Jacksonville passes. Jaguars. He went to the last place team. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen plenty of guys go to the last place team and not play that great. But how many have turned out to be good? Peyton Manning's one. You're giving Joe Burrow a mantle. Let's let's say him. Like, let's give him a full chance. My goodness. I said Joe Burrow was good a year ago before he got hurt. So I'm, I'm believing that as he's looking good. I, I'm just going to give this kid a chance. I'm going to give him a chance. He's won two national championships, played the hardest players in football, played teams like Alabama, and had success. Like, I'm going to give him a little more chance in the NFL and maybe then get some more Alabama guys on his football team around him so he has a chance to be good. You know, Peyton Manning, while I agree, he was not great his rookie year. Heck of a lot of interceptions. He also had a heck of a lot of touchdowns. Wait, what was the record? Three and 13. Ooh. Ooh. That's going to be one more win than the Jags, and the Jags will have played an extra game. So, again, this one game is going to mean everything. It means he Peyton Manning had 26 touchdowns and 28 picks. 
I just, I'm not writing this kid off. Trevor Lawrence would love to have 26 touchdowns. I'm not writing any of these first year quarterbacks off yet, much less the ones that are the Jets that stinks, not much less the other guys that haven't done anything. Like, I'm not writing any of them off. I'm giving them all a chance. Okay, but we found out Sam Darnold's not good. Like, he stunk at the Jets, he stunk at the Panthers. Like, sometimes they're just not good. I'm glad to give Sam Darnold fourth year or fifth year of Sam Darnold and say, yeah, he's not very good. I'm, I'm ready for that. Okay. I'm just saying, it's going to be the biggest when he flip. Went to Carolina, I was still having. It's mind. going okay, maybe, to be the biggest flip. It's not just. It's not just that he's not having a good year, Leland. It's like he's having one of the worst rookie years, period, in the history of football. Like, it's really bad. Not saying he can't turn it around. I'm just saying that would be a worry for me if I'm Jacksonville. I'm not pulling the plug on him, but I'm looking at his numbers, going. Man, I really hope we did not goof this up. Who else were you going to take then? Who else? I mean, who should they have taken instead of Trevor Lawrence? I'm not point, saying they did yeah. anything wrong. I'm just saying you might have to start looking at another quarterback in not this year's draft, but maybe the next year. Okay. He's dead. Dead to you. He should move to a box underneath the bridge. I got it. I'm just saying, like, I just don't see the need to like to to put the stamp out there. Like, you, and it's not even like I'm, you know, I'm starting to wonder. Like, as you, you just your statement was like, oh, he's not very good. <laughs> I said he's not. Well, he's not very good this year. Are you going to argue with that? He's having a good year. A great year. I I would be shocked if anybody could be good in that environment. That's why their coach is gone. It's because that their their environment was so poor there. Like, I don't know. I'm gonna give the kid next year. That's that's all I got. We'll see. Ryan Leaf Fire didn't work out. All right. Sometimes it just doesn't work out, Ryan Leaf. Sometimes it doesn't. At least he's not a head case like Ryan Leaf. My goodness. All right, let's get out of here. Let's go to the B block with John Leonard. Let's see if that calms us down any bit. Let's see if we can have some nice, positive conversation. Oh, we're talking about Major League Baseball. That's, we're doomed. And we have John Leonard back with us on the Yak Sports Podcast to talk baseball. And obviously, there's not any baseball going on right now because we're in the offseason, but... Also, because there's a lockout. So, John, uh, first, welcome back on the podcast, eighth time. Uh, eighth and time. On this podcast. And um, I guess let's talk where this podcast this lines up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just going to throw my plug for 40 Sports, which still has the season recap still in the, still in the can yet to be released. Um, but, right. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, where does this lockout line up in terms of your fears for the sport compared to other strikes? Because it doesn't seem the last public information that was available on the negotiations doesn't seem like these two sides are close. It doesn't seem like they're very close, uh, but I'm I'm not terribly worried about it just yet. Um. I think if if we got into late January, maybe into the middle of February, I might be a little more concerned that it would that it would start to cut into spring training time. 
But, I mean, right now we're seeing a lot of posturing of both sides. And, uh, I mean, the owners in this lockout and the, and the scrubbing of the, of the website and everything is just, uh, just trying to create a positive. Uh, create. Positive I like that word, create. <laughs> yeah, um, they're, they're trying to create a narrative that makes themselves look better, and and uh, a lot of a lot of baseball fans can see through that, and and are not yeah. and are not surprised by any of this. But I'm not really that terribly worried as of yet. I I, I really like the word create because it's like you have to you have to make something up. You have to create something out of nothing to come up with. Oh, these are the good guys. Yeah, it's true. I I mean, ownership. The owners of baseball teams, and I've got to warn you guys, I'm pretty pro-labor in this case. Okay. But, uh, but the, the ownership of Major League Baseball teams have, since the beginning of Major League Baseball, have done a, an unbelievable job of getting the media to cover their side of the story and to make the players seem like greedy, uh, you know, guys that make too much money. And uh, I think... I, I think the reality is pretty far from that, honestly. So let me ask, let me ask this, because I get why you are the way this the stance you have, and I, I'm not even saying you're wrong, but just to just to play devil's advocate, and I guess okay, this is Jeff. kind of where I fall a little bit. Can it be that there are no good guys in this? Because yes, the owners are definitely greedy and i hate when owners come to cities and demand more money or they're going to move their team i think that's totally wrong i think owners should build their own stadiums uh i think it's bad when the owners manipulate service time but can it also be that like when the players are saying we want a salary floor and i i just don't think it's realistic to ask for a salary floor without there being a salary cap. I, I think those two things have to go hand in hand. I, I hear you and I hear those concerns. Um, my, my, biggest, my biggest concern surrounding the salaries is that, that baseball owners have realized that they do not need to win to make money. So, so owners and management have cut out that whole middle section of, of, the, of the players. So, so basically, a, a player is under control for six years. Right. And they can't become a free agent until after that. So players were okay with that because even if they hit their six-year minimum at, say, 30 or 31 or 32, there still was a big contract waiting for them at that point. But what ownership has done now and management has done is they've cut those guys out. So the, the top tier, the superstars, they're still making 20, 30, in, in Max Scherzer's case, $40 million a year. But that middle section now, those where the players are 32 and coming into their first free agent season is they're not making that money and they're getting cut out of the game. So they're either paying their superstars huge money, but then everybody else is on minimum contracts. So what the players are seeing is this manipulation of service time where uh, they're held in the minor leagues for longer so that the team has control longer. And then that controls how much money the player makes. 
And owners know that they don't have to win to make money because of revenue sharing. Um, and they can just sort of limp along with a tiny, uh, with, with really a tiny outlay of salary and still make a huge amount of money. Um, and they don't need to win to get there because of, because of revenue sharing. So what I'd love to see is I'd love to see a change in that service time for players. And I'd, and I'd also, I'd love for everybody to figure out a way to make the owners care more about winning to make money instead of just sitting back and paying their employees as little as possible and raking in as many profits as possible is what I'd love to see. Does that make sense? I, I yeah, I, I like I like that point and I agree with what you're wanting there. I probably I guess I'm arguing with Joe a little bit too is you know, like we've always thought this, you know, no no salary cap is ruining the game, but you know, I think that's a thought from the nineties. I think since two thousand, like we see a lot of teams like the you know, that are in the teens winning the uh, for payroll rank winning the World Series. We've seen the White Sox back in 05, the Phillies back in 08, the Giants in 2010, the Giants in 2014, the Royals in 15, the Astros of 17, which that's clouded with some other stuff. But we've seen <laughs> these teams that aren't in the top five uh, that are win the World Series. So I, you know, I think like your percentage of teams that are just killing the cap. And your percentage of teams that are, you know, taking advantage of no floor or, you know, not spending much money, you know, that's the out, you know, the the small of the curve. And then you have a lot of teams in the middle where you do see, you know, at least half of your World Series champions come out of that. And I think you get a lot of competitive uh, playoff teams in that same group of teams as well. So, like, I don't, I don't know the idea of having a cap without uh, having a floor without a cap. I. I do think it's a, a decent start to it that at least it lifts up that bottom end of the curve, even though that, and I don't think the top end of the curve is hurting us as much as we make it out to believe. I, only twice since the year 2000 has the top payroll won the World Series. Okay, but it's still looking at like that top five, I think. You know, the Yankees are always in the ALCS. They're the number two payroll. The Dodgers are number one. They've won a World Series. They've been in multiple World Series recently. Um. So I do think that matters a little bit. And I think one of the reasons you're talking about, Leland, is because these owners would say, well, we can afford to pay our scouting and analytics department so much because we're not paying the players absorbent amount of money. And, uh, you know, again, to play devil's advocate with John, not that I disagree with much of <laughs> what he's saying. I'll, I'll get that out there on the front end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the MLB owners, and I do think they are right in this stance, back when, you know, the Albert Pujols's were landing $300 million deals or whatever they were back then. And, and you see these mega contracts for some of these guys, like those didn't pan out. Those aren't good contracts. So I, I don't think, I, I know the players are mad because, you know, they didn't keep going up and they're, they're not seeing what those guys saw in terms of that kind of money for those kind of years. But, I think that's just people being smarter, and I don't think that's the owner's fault. Now, again, I'm totally okay with the salary floor if we introduce a salary cap, and I think the owners, the salary cap for the owners is a bit of a double-edged sword because to get that, yes, it caps players' salaries at a certain point. 
but it also introduces John something that I know you've been wanting for a while. Owners are going to have to open up the books then, because mm-hmm. that's what that's based mm-hmm. on. Right, right. That's that's absolutely a crucial point of this is that that owners love to cry poor. You know, the Pittsburgh Pirates owner loves to say, well, we're in a small market and we don't make a lot of money. So what are we supposed to do? And the truth is nobody knows. Nobody knows how much money the Pirates owner is making or that the, 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 the Pirates get from revenue sharing and how much they put out uh, for their uh, for their salaries. Um, most of these owners are just raking in millions and millions and millions of dollars every year, and they're not plowing it back into their teams. So at what point does, does this, the, the structure need to change to force that to happen? I, I, I don't know. What do you think? I hear you. Um, for me, <laughs> as a pirate fan. <laughs> yeah. Right. I know. I used, I used them on purpose. Yeah. I, <laughs> Yeah, I think I, I I'm not I'm all budding quickly jokes that you're about to come on the point, but like yeah, I I I have no problem with the floor in all honesty, and I guess I just I don't want to be held up with a if you have this you have that because I just don't think they'll ever agree to a cap. I think the cap not having a cap, I I don't like that not being a cap in my general sense of thinking, but I I've also looked at the results for a long time now, and I'm like you know as much as the Yankees spend every year. They aren't winning the championship every year, and we have seen lower teams win it and continually have a chance to win it. We see the Tampa Bay Devil Rays knocking on the door kind of continually. But they're I, the exception. I, they're not the rule. Yeah. But the Astros were one of those teams that dumped all their payroll, and they still weren't paying high payroll when they won the World Series. You saw the Royals come from way back. Uh, the Giants are never, you know, they're usually around In 2020, the Houston 10. Astros had the fourth highest payroll in baseball. But in 2017, when they won it, they were the 12th. Yeah, but since then, they've spent money. Like, the point is, teams do spend money when they get competitive more times than not. The Tampa Bay Rays don't. But, again, they're the exception, not the rule. So they want to keep their talent there and pay them, and and the market makes them pay more money to be able to do that. Like, I'm not exactly 100% against that idea of that, of, you know, being lower payroll. I don't want bottom, like the Pirates continue to be, but, like, lower and build up, you know, have these younger guys and really depend on that. So you can really push up. I'm not against that idea. I just don't want to get locked in. Like, I just don't think they'll ever agree to a cap because the cap with, without a cap, you can give the Albert Pujols contract. And then if you need to dump more money into your team to try to be competitive, you can. And with a cap, that contract hurts you even more. So you're going to, you're going to make that contract even worse or anything towards that even worse and that I don't think they're ever going to agree to that. So I don't want to bring up the stipulation that you got to have one without the other. So I want the bottom up. I want, I want, and the, and the minimum they put in is not going to be some kind of massive number. It's still going to be down there. It's just not going to be bottom of the barrel. Like they try to get like the pirates particularly try to get. So I, I'm, I, I want to push for that more than I want to require a cap just because a, that'll bring my favorite team back into the mix a little bit, but it also might just shut some people up about talking about these lower teams of, okay, they're at least going to have to spend that money. We're going to stop complaining about them, and we can we can talk about it. It'll shut Buster only up, you know? It like, won't, and that, that should make you happy. He's a hack. It won't shut him up because he is a shill. <laughs> he is a total shill, and they'll just well, complain that the Pirates are only doing the minimum then or the Orioles are only doing the minimum then. That's that, That'll be the new argument, but – I guess I mean, what the I would pilots say to Lee are probably charging, charging their players for soda, like the A's back in, in Moneyball. <laughs> but what I would say to you, Leland, is I, I think you only get one with the other. 
I don't think you can have one and not the other. I, I think the players will demand a floor because they don't like quote unquote tanking and teams not trying. I get it. Um, but on the flip side, the owners are going to say, well, if we concede this, then we need something to limit the mega deals from the Yankees and the Dodgers and the Mets just going and signing everybody. And then us having to overpay somebody just to hit a quota. You don't think the friendship tree of those of the top five payrolls that are always top five payrolls, you don't think the friendship tree of them will will you know take care of the votes needed to not let that happen? I mean, they, those guys, all these owners are friends with each other, and they all play the you know. The I boy think network. you are overestimating how well these people get along. <laughs> I, I'm just I get so frustrated with some of the shenanigans that the owners are are playing around with right now. Like I don't. Did you guys know that like you know, the players are concerned about uh, service time manipulation, mm-hmm. right? And keeping keeping the players under control for most of their career for less salary than what they're worth until they become free agents, and then suddenly they're not worth it to anyone anymore. Well, the owners just came forward to the players and said, "Well, okay, um, if you're concerned about the free agency in the six years, how about we just say that everybody at age 29 becomes a free agent?" across the board and the the casual fan looks at that and says well that makes sense right you're 29 so you're still sort of in your in your prime but what that does is that makes the superstars of the game actually under player control for longer right so the the really good players that come up when they're 19 and 20 and 21 they would be under team control for even longer so the owners make this make the suggestion and say, hey, would this be a good thing for everybody? But they really have an ulterior motive to try to control the upper end of those salaries. Like these, these shenanigans are really frustrating. The, the owners say, let's expand the playoffs so there'll be more money for everyone. And the casual fan says, that's awesome, right? My team, maybe I'm a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, Leland, and maybe... <laughs> Maybe the Pirates have a shot to make the playoffs, right? This is a good thing for baseball. But the players get a cut of the gate in the playoffs. And if you have more teams in the playoffs, that means that teams don't have to work as hard in the regular season to make the playoffs. Mm. So that suppresses salaries. You don't have to pay your players as much to make the playoffs and make more money in the end. So everything that the owners suggest like it has a, it's a double-edged sword. The casual fan says, hey, that sounds like a great idea. I'd love for that to happen. But the reality is they're trying to suppress these players' salaries. And the truth is, with all the money in baseball, the owners are making 57% of that. And the, owners are ma- and the players are making 43%. Well, when, when you watch a game on MLB.com, are you watching it because – the Montgomery's own the Philadelphia Phillies, or are you watching the game because Bryce Harper is in the game? Who's more, who's more important? Is it the owners or the players? Well, it depends if you ask Michael Jordan or, <laughs> or the Chicago Bulls owner whose name's escaping me right now, but, um, Jerry Reinsdorf. Yes. Yeah. Reinsdorf. Yeah. Yep. But yeah. I, I just, I just, I get tired of this. The, the Major league baseball is a bit of a mess. And unless these two sides can come together and work with honesty and respect with the other side, maybe they don't work this out. I, but but what, is, what is clearly happening is that the owners are making these 
they're they're sort of posturing saying look we're making these suggestions but the suggestions really benefit themselves way even more than what the current system does and the the game of baseball needs an overhaul it needs an overhaul of service time yeah. it needs an overhaul of making teams compete even though they don't want to and and i don't know there's so much money there's so much money in in the in the sport that I'm not sure we can go back to the way it was. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens for sure. So that's interesting. I hadn't heard the service time proposal from, from the owners. Um, I guess the way I've always thought, you know, to get around that is to say, okay, instead of six years, major league service, let's just say you get drafted at 18, right? Mm -hmm. If you're a high schooler. Uh, let's say if you're a high schooler, it's how would you feel about eight years from when they are drafted? Like you have eight years and then if they've been on a minor league deal because the team has decided not to bring them up. Okay. But if the team knows they're going to be a free agent anyway, in eight years, then it kind of doesn't really behoove them to keep them down if the service time is based on when they're drafted and not when, when they're a major leaguer, would you think that is fair? Well, at the bottom end, you would say that that's, that it sure sounds fair, right? Uh, it might force major league teams to bring up players when I they're you ready. You have to have a different not, rule for college though, because I mean, obviously a college right, player is going to be like 21. Yeah. Right. They're not going in until 21. And then you add, let's say that they're three years in the minor leagues and now they're 24, 25. Now they've already, they've already aged themselves out of, of a major contract. So at the bottom end, that might, that might sound fine. But what about those super superstars? If they're up in the major leagues by the time that they're 20, do they still need to be under team control and under arbitration for those last six, seven years? I don't know. It's just, does Juan Soto have to be paid next to nothing? Mike Trout when he's, yeah. you know, when they're, when they're superstars. I hear you. And I know the MLB owners, I, I am sure that with some of these superstars, the reason you see some of the deals is, and I noticed a lot of the big signings right before this lockout started too, that, that did not escape me. We saw deals happening earlier in free mm -hmm. agency than we usually do. Yep. And it's because, Oh, the owners will say, well, look, see, we're, that's not true. Um, I, I get that. Um, I, so I, I think you're right, John. They're, they're trying to play to an audience to try to win fans and get the rage at the players. But I'll, I'll be honest, John. I, I am one of those guys, though, that when I see the Padres sign Tatis for as much as they did, I'm, I worry about that. I'm like, I don't know if that's a good idea. That guy... Well, what happens if that guy blows out his knee? Then you have guaranteed him a contract for a very long time to not be productive. Well, let me ask you this, Joe. What 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 does it matter to you? As a fan, and, and, it matters if and, my team started doing it. Well, but you don't know how much money your owners are really making every year. I mean, my, my point would be that the San Diego Padres, their owners, like that's a drop in the bucket for them. It doesn't matter if, if Tatis Jr. blows out his knee or if he, if he drops down to, 
league average in production, they are making so much money that it doesn't matter. And, and that's the current system. I mean, they, they, that's the contract they have to give the face of their organization in the current system. So, like, I like I get why they do it now. Like, they had to. They they absolutely had to. And that's they why the system though. needs to they be. They have arbitration. They had years of control on Tatis. But the longer you wait till that, then you, you're you not going to – then you're going to, you know, have a gun to his head for those final couple of years, and then he's definitely gone. They want him. They they can market off that guy the same as the Angels did off Pujols. They can market off that guy even when he's not playing at MVP caliber. They can market off that, especially Tatis, with how much personality he has and what he's bringing to the to the table outside of his batting average. Like, I you know, you know, Aaron Nando was the one that kind of confused me because like he was not a top frame player. Like, not everybody knew who he was when he signed that contract. Pujols, everybody ah. knows. Uh, Tatis, everybody knows. Like, you know, my mom knows who Fernando Tatis Jr. was. And, like, she had, she still doesn't know who Fernando um, was. Like, they, like, those guys, those specific guys, and that's a, such a small percentage. I mean, that's just a couple different guys. You know, like, I don't actually – I look at those contracts a little bit different. And even – I mean, if you plan, you can market Soto like that. Yeah, and Bryce Harper, you, he's getting marketed like crazy. Everybody's making money off that guy. Nolan Arenado is fairly well known to to base like solid baseball fans. I I nowhere near as popular as our Tatis. Or but that's Rose, because Tatis plays for a team that also has Manny Machado. You're you're in terms of how good the contract is or isn't isn't based on whether a person knows him or not. It's based on what the I production is. Think <laughs> I think these teams that are willing to spend that much money, I think that's a factor. I mean, I think, yeah, you're going to have to be to a certain, you're going to be producing somewhat, but like if you can market that player on your team for a long period when of Nolan time, when Nolan Arenado know, signed that deal, he was arguably the best third baseman in baseball at the time. I'm telling you, he wasn't, he's, he, he's not near as popular as Tatis. And I'm, I'm not, I don't, I don't know who's going to argue with me. But you're but you're comparing the very very top of the industry. Yeah, yeah. With, with the guys like Arenado is still would still be top ten percent of of all the baseball players. Um, just because he's not a he's not a production, on production probably not popularity, but yeah, like but that's why I don't question when you talk about like he brought up Tatis. I bring that up. I I think I don't call as much question into that as I do down the line like the top five percent i guess is what i'm saying i don't i don't really question that and and it's not like Paul Hulse was in the pro- i mean i guess he was still coming off the prime of his career when he signed that 10-year deal but like i think these owners definitely when they can associate that player with their team for a long period of time and they think they that that, that puts butts in seats i mean that's that's what they're talking about in Moneyball, you know <laughs> that they gave up these guys that put butts in seats and how do we get butts in seats? I mean, they talked about putting uh, David justice on the roster. They thought that was just to get people there. Like that mentality is still there. Even with cybermetrics and all this stuff, there is still giving a crap about marketability and bringing people to the ballpark. And Tatis absolutely does that. He brings people uh, to the ballpark. But I'm if Fernando sure Tatis starts batting 250, he's not going to be bringing people to the ballpark. He's going to be bringing booze. If he's to the dancing ballpark. at shortstop, he still will be. I'm I'm not sure that I'm not sure that the economics of baseball are that way anymore. Like these, the the way the way that revenue sharing works, 
and the amount of millions of dollars that are in the game without the team, without the, the even without the consideration of wins and losses, these these owners are raking in huge profits every year, and it's it's regardless. It doesn't even matter what their team does, or how many games they win, or how much they play those pay those players, or how many butts are in the seats. These owners are making money hand over fist. Oh, butts and seats equate to people watching on TV. And will a lot of that money that you're talking about come from money on TV? Now, I know that's not run, That's not negotiated every year. That's negotiated every eight years, ten years on those big, you know, regional the, network deals. But the like, regional, the regional networks, but also the Major League Baseball money that gets that gets handed out. I just, I, the Pitts, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the, his owner, that that owner, he has learned he doesn't have to do anything to to make money. The, the question is how to force how to force him to try to put a good product on the field. It almost doesn't matter how many butts are in the seats or how many people pay for parking yeah. or how many beers they sell during the game. This is like a, this is like a seven billion dollar industry. There is so much money that people they almost don't even know what to do with it all. But here we are. Here we are fighting over. What percentage? What percentage of it? I yeah. mean, Leland, <laughs> do you think it's fair that the owners make fifty-seven percent and the players make forty-three? I will have to say I'm on the side of labor overall in the in the long scheme of things because I think the owners make too much money, like you're saying, the fifty-seven percent. I think I I think cutting away at that is absolutely reasonable. And of course, there's no way to know. I mean, there's really no way to know how much how much money or how how teams siphon off, you know, certain certain aspects of their of their revenue generating machine into other other companies, and you know, there's unless we open the books, there's really no no way to know. And Congress, of course, protects them with the antitrust exemption. Um, yeah. I think that I, I just, should go away. I, I honestly do. I, I think these pro sports leagues antitrust. That's all of them. I think that should go away. I don't like that, but um, I I don't want to get into the weeds on that. Uh, I did want to ask you a question that you may or may not know, John. I, I know minor league baseball and the care for those players has been in the news recently, too. And yeah, are they covered in the MLB Players Association or are they only covered once they're in Major League Baseball? They, they are not covered by the union, by the by the Major League Baseball Players Union. They are only covered once they hit the 40-man roster and they are considered major league players. So who negotiates on behalf of them in terms of them getting, you know, a living situation? Nobody. Nobody. Right. And you're you're talking about you're talking about labor that has no power whatsoever. The wrong minor league player starts to make noise about about creating a minor league union or about how things aren't fair, and he just gets cut. And the and the and the minor league players that have a huge future in front of them, they're afraid to speak up because, I mean, they don't have to speak up. They're gonna they have a big future right. payday in front of them. I mean, there have been some definite good changes towards uh, towards taking care of minor league players, like the like the teams are now going to take care of leases so that the players will have somewhere to live. Mm-hmm. Um, takes care of some of the issues, you know, some, some guys were living in cars and stuff. Um, 
you know, I do a lot of I do a lot of research about Valley League players, and there are some years where Valley, you know, maybe a certain Valley League player will play at four different levels of minor league baseball during the year. What's that? What's that guy supposed to do? Where's he supposed to live if he gets just keeps getting bounced around? Right. From low A to high A to double A to triple A and then back down to high A and then to double A. What in the world? Like I, those guys, those guys would do well to get together and create some kind of, um, <laughs> some kind of union, I guess, to uh, to protect their interests as well. Well, Leland, do you have anything else? Because I'm going to move. No. Okay. Yeah, keep moving. I want to yeah. move slightly away <laughs> into a more, I guess, fantasy realm on this. Oh, In terms I, of. I, did I kill the topic? No, no, no. You, no, you did no, not. I think I did. I think you did I not. did. You did not. But I had heard this floated in terms of like competitive balance, right? And how to change the competitive balance. And one of the ideas that was floated on one of the podcasts I was listening to. Now, the person said this will never happen. But one of the ideas could be like they do in minor league baseball where it's half seasons. And you take the winner from the first half of the season and the winner of the second half of the season and they play. Meaning like in the divisions. Okay. Do you, is that something you would like? Because as an Orioles fan, honestly, I think that makes, I think that makes each game more exciting. I think part of the problem with baseball right now, and I love baseball, is it's 162 games. And as an Orioles fan, I know if we're not within five games after a hundred games, we're out. Yeah, I hear you. I I would I would hesitate to say that that's a good system because they did that in 1981 did you i don't know if you guys did that any was a strike research year, wasn't it that was a strike year and they lost a bunch of games and they decided they were going to go ahead and do a first half and a second half um which seemed to work okay except in the national league the cincinnati reds ended up with the best record in the national league but did not win the first half or the second half and did mm-hmm. not make the and did not make the playoffs so it seems that it almost seems that no matter what system you come up with, somebody's going to end up, it's going to end up not fair to someone at some point. Um, and besides the Phillies won the first half and they didn't win in the playoffs that year. So that's a bad system. <laughs> no, so, but in all, in all seriousness to the Cincinnati Reds, it wasn't fair because they ended up being the best team in the national league overall, but never got a chance to show it in the playoffs. Yeah, I don't know. I just think you got to do something. I I think the way it is now with 162 games, I don't think that is a long-term solution for Major League Baseball's growing problem of shrinking audience. Well, the shrinking audience, boy, doesn't that have more to do with our attention span and with so many other things that are going on in our lives? People love playoff baseball because those games actually matter versus Mm -hmm. game 124 or, you know, game 52 in an MLB regular season. It's just, look, and I love baseball, but honestly, like, why am I getting jazzed up for game 53? (laughs) If it's not a pitcher I really want to see, or I think we can win because of a pitching matchup. 
Oh, that's a good question. Because it's baseball, because it's a sport, because it's fun to watch. I just think they uh, got to do something. And whether that's getting rid of the number of games total, doing a half season, which they won't do. But, um, and I don't even know if they'll shorten the season. I, I, I think the biggest key of all of this is, is simpler is, is these regional networks getting online and letting people watch these their local well, teams okay, online so, and putting them on the small screens. I think that's going to help so much. I think they're so them, far behind on this. All of them, but three are the only three. Teams yeah, but that that's are new. Not. That's new. Like, I mean, it's, it's it, two years ago. What, what was the percentage? I mean, it, it was a lot lower, right? Yeah, but there's still, it's still a shrinking audience overall for baseball at this point. Sure. But I think that is a huge help. I think that is the last league to acknowledge online viewing and small, you know, uh, handheld viewing, and I think that's that's going to help. And so when you start marketing stars like they did in the 90s, and they seem to be trying to do again, and I think they did get away with from that for a little bit of time, that that's going to help with this younger audience. And when you can have, you know, stuff that draws in a younger crowd, if they could, you know, get some of those unwritten rules out of the way and have, have more, you know, uh, you know, bat flips and fun in the game, which I know it's more than bat flips, but more fun in the game. And you're presenting, you're going to have that available in the way that younger viewers view it. I think that can, can work. I think that's going to have a big impact. Well, I, think, I don't think it fixes everything. But I think one of the it, things, it, I think more than that, Leland, is getting rid of the blackout rule. Yeah, 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 yeah. you got to watch your, you got to be able to watch your local teams at all times. I've never, never understood. If I'm willing to pay yeah. MLB TV, you know, whatever it is for a year, I can't watch the local team. I don't yeah. understand that. If I pay you that money, I should be able to watch whoever the hell I want. Yeah, yeah. That's I'm a Phillies fan, and when they play the Washington Nationals, I can't watch it. It, it drives me crazy. But yeah. John and I and I know they're protecting those regional networks, but but boy, I don't even on, think man. that's where the money is. Though. I think they should cut them out. I, I think I think MLB just needs to say, you know what, we're going to cut out the middleman. I think the money is getting the money direct from the consumer. I think that's exactly what MLB should do. I don't understand dealing with the nonsense here. Just let the teams have their own broadcast and just roll. Now, the Orioles will be the worst because they'll try to nickel and dime that too. But <laughs> let me ask you this, John, and then we'll let you go in terms of this will be the final baseball question. Do you think we finally get the universal DH out of this negotiation? I hope so. I hope so. I, I, uh, I think the players have a reason to go for it, and I think the owners do too. And that, to me, makes it seem like it's, it's, it'll happen. You know, the players, the players want it because it helps extend those mm-hmm. careers of, of those good hitters. Yeah. Um, the, the owners want it because it's going to increase offense and, and generally speaking, fans I... like that, that the offense and pitchers, it's, it's not their job to hit. I'm I'm tired of watching the, the the cluelessness of hitters of pitchers up to bat. I guess remind me of who's against it. I've 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 never under, I've never understood why it's been this long of a debate. Old heads. Yeah. Yeah, and and uh, and 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 fans want they want the double switch and they want they they think that there's more strategy involved with the with the pitchers. I thought chicks dig the long ball. <laughs> that was. 
Well, you're dating yourself there. Boy, that was from the early 90s, wasn't it? Like Greg Maddox. From prime Royd era. Yeah, this was laced <laughs> in San Francisco. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> but I think you're right. Yeah, I think the I... younger owners and the, and the younger teams that are driven by analytics are starting to say, why am I paying this guy millions of dollars to potentially get hurt running the bases in something he doesn't do? Like, yeah. Yeah, it just, it just doesn't make – like. Baseball over all of the sports, baseball wants to hold on to the way things have been for, you know, for tradition reasons or. Um, yeah, then, then let's play, let's let the NBA do that and just let everybody be poked up and play in basketball. And let's, <laughs> I do kind of want to go know. back to the 90s, though, where we we let them play a little bit of defense and didn't blow whistles all the time. Have, have you guys paid any attention to <laughs> one of the, the summer leagues? I think it was the. Was it the Coastal Plains that they had the Savannah Bananas and they started? Oh, yeah. They started adding yeah, more. Yeah, they do all the crazy stuff. Yeah. Rule changes, and it was just really interesting. Like, I spent some time talking to some of the Valley League coaches this past year. Like, what do you think? How do you think it would hurt our game if you could steal first base, for example? Right. So the oh, I'm the sure batter you stuff. Great answers. <laughs> well, yeah, you know some. Some guys said, well, no, that's not the way baseball is played. And other guys said, I think it would inject some, some real interest in the game. Think about how many pitches during the baseball game, if, if you're not there as, a, as maybe a, as an announcer, right. as Joe, you often are, mm-hmm. how many pitches just don't matter in a baseball game? Yeah. So what, half of them? I don't well, know. Dude, I was going to say 30%, but yeah, maybe say, yeah. Like this year so, in particular. So imagine, just imagine. A lot more would have mattered. <laughs> if, if, if every pitch mattered, because if the pitcher threw a wild pitch, the runner could choose to try to, the batter could choose to try to steal first base. Wouldn't that be interesting? Now, I know a lot of people are saying, oh my goodness, that's, that's like, <laughs> that's ruining what baseball is. But Sports do this all the time. Sports they look at yeah. what what can we change to make this more interesting, or you know what what would be something interesting to try. And I just I just wish that baseball was more willing to try some of these extra things. I don't know if the stealing first base would be a good thing yeah. or not, but it would be fun to try, wouldn't it? Well, let me throw this yeah, out as as another fantastical option because I, I actually heard this on the Dan Levitard show years ago. And I actually, like when I heard it, I was like, I actually don't hate this. Um, they called it the magic at bat, which is in, I think it was the ninth inning. You get to pick who comes up <laughs> just in the ninth inning. It's the last chance you get to say, all right, this is the guy we want up. Yeah. I don't I don't know. There are all kinds of issues to deal with, right? Like, how do you do official scoring? How does, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, but, but those try. programs would change. Like, you could, you could change that program, SAT programs. Like, that's an easy, maybe not certain <laughs> companies, but most companies, it would not be that I hard. I know I, who you're talking about. Yeah, I was going to say, I won't name them, but. Uh, well, the Valley League is thinking about instead of doing extra innings, they're thinking about doing the runner on second base to start yeah. to start the inning, like what Major League Baseball did um, and what the minors did as well. It's going to be I, an interesting change with the pitching limits that you're it's facing mm-hmm. in 
Valley League. That makes good sense. I mean, look at what the NFL has done. I mean, you've you've rule changed that league to can be uh, as much as can be to help offense and help quarterbacks stay on the field. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, you have these guys throwing more touchdowns and more passing yards than ever before. And mm-hmm. you sort of have this league that is so attached with their records from 1920, like Major League Baseball. And look, NFL is the most popular entity in sports entertainment. Like, absolutely. And, it, you know, where baseball used to be America's pastime, you know, NFL rules sports world. Look at the NBA. They've they've done a lot to encourage the three-point shot. And, and that mm-hmm. game has changed completely. And that I mean, I, that's the second most popular sport. So, like, yeah, these leagues that are innovative and allow themselves to change and aren't locked to the old rule books like Major League Baseball, look how they, they've passed Major League Baseball in popularity. It's 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 so obvious. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'd I'd just love to. I'd love to see. I'd love to see a commissioner who's not Rob Manfred. Uh, <laughs> You're talking to the right podcast. I know. It's so it's so fr- And I know that he's an employee of the owners, so he kind of has to toe that line. I I get it. But I would love to see somebody step in and say, let's let's try to do let's do some different things. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. I mean, if it doesn't work, go back to the way it was. It's okay. I, I just, I just wish that there was more, more of a, more of a risk-taking mentality. I guess. Yeah. Well, John, um, we thank you for coming on and talking to sure. us again. Just, it was. What's your favorite Christmas movie? Oh yeah. Oh no! <laughs> Is that the question? That's yes. what Leland wants to ask. Yeah. <laughs> so so what what can i do can i like really tick people off by saying die hard or something yeah, like that? Is that, is that if you want to die on that hill it's bring it get mad. yeah yeah <laughs> oh, i'll be all right i'll think less of you but it's fine oh wow. no. <laughs> we were we were with friends last night and we got to talking about the movie elf with with will ferrell and i i just have good memories of watching that with my kids see I, i'd probably have to go with elf i think that's a Fabulous answer. Yeah. A delightful answer. I guess I just I guess for me, like age wise, it just came at the wrong time. Like I think it's a I think it's a good movie, don't get me wrong. I was in college. It played at the perfect time. It's not (laughs) (laughs) right. Um but it's not I don't even maybe it's a top five at like five. Oh yeah. It's probably the one we watch the most now, honestly. Like, the kids love it. I love it. I Honestly, even before we had kids, we were watching it a lot. I'm not saying it's my favorite, but it's it's definitely right up there. How do you feel uh, about Bruce yes. Springsteen? <laughs> oh, you guys do argue about Bruce Springsteen a lot. I don't really argue. I just bring him up to listen to him rant because he's just – he hates him so much for no real good reason. <laughs> I, can we talk about Tom Petty instead? I, I know I'm you more... love Tom Petty. I I want to <laughs> vote on your polls, John. I just don't know enough Tom Petty. I only know like well, the hits. Free falling. That's that's what Joe. Well, that's one. The, <laughs> Joe. Joe. Part of the point of what I'm doing is to make you go find the songs and listen to them. Right? I know. I just don't have. Time He's trying to make anymore. you better, Joe. I just don't have time anymore. <laughs> I wish I did. Yeah. It's great when I do a Twitter poll about two Tom Petty songs and I get two votes. <laughs> I've, I've always though, figured John? one of them is yours. <laughs> well, no, I can't vote on my own. I, I guess, I guess. My oh, you got the burner. Don't lie. I was going to say, yeah, you got your breaker. burners. Come on. 
I've spent too much time on Twitter as it is. Fanatic hater, fifty-four, five, seven, eight, nine. <laughs> right, following twenty people with zero followers. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Since but, December 2021. <laughs> he always likes the All Things Valley tweet. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I actually don't run that account. So, it's yeah. Well, thank you very much, John, for coming on again. We do appreciate it. And uh, we do appreciate your insight. You do have a, a lot of knowledge in, in terms of this baseball stuff, a lot more than even I do. I mean, I, I love watching baseball, but. Way more than I do. I, I, I just don't. <laughs> I don't dive into the weeds as much as you do. And that's why we love to have you on, on these topics. And obviously I know you mentioned in passing there that you talk to a lot of the Valley league players as they're on their minor league journeys too. And so you have that insight that some of us don't in terms of that. So I do appreciate you coming on and talking to us. Well, yeah, thanks for having me on. I, you know, my ultimate goal, my ultimate career goal is to be on as many times as Patrick Height is on, but I'm, you got I'm, a long road, sir. You better know. Up there in a winter sport. I'm so far <laughs> behind. I don't think I don't think it's going to happen. But no, I appreciate listening to you guys every week, and uh, and thanks so much for having me on. It's been it's been great. Thanks, John. Thanks. D block time, and again, thanks to John Leonard for coming on the podcast. That was what we say it was his eighth time, so he's getting there. He, he wants to catch up with Patrick Height. I said it. I think my guy missed. He needs to cover a winter sport. He's got a, you know, Patrick comes to us three seasons a year. I mean, he's covering fall, winter, spring. We got to have it. We got to have it all year, man. So we got to get more than just the Valley League. We got to have to get, you know, what we could use is wrestling content from John Leonard, high school wrestling content. I don't know if. He, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if he does that. But <laughs> We appreciate him for what he does bring to the table. And that's why he gets to come on in December because he's such a great guest for us, and we always appreciate him. But let's get into the D block time. And what is dominating your life, Joe? Well, what is dominating my life has been – Is it open-wheel racing or soccer or both? It's been soccer. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Um, so I sat down and actually for the first time in a few weeks watched, uh, Liverpool play, um, just because I've been busy on weekends and haven't had time to, uh, so they played win or they kissing their sister. They did tie with Tottenham, which was upsetting. Uh, it was two to two. I thought they were going to win when they scored late to make it two to one, but they gave up a tying goal. They were also a man down, which was not great as they got a man sent off uh, with a red card. But them's the breaks. Uh, Liverpool's doing it without some players with COVID. Uh, they also have some players that are hurt, uh, which is just kind of how soccer works over there. Uh, they're, they're talking about shutting down the season for Christmas early due to the widespread outbreak over there. Um, I just read where the NHL decided to do that. So, uh that stinks, but I'm hoping Liverpool, they're still within striking distance of Manchester City, who leads the Premier League by three points, hoping they'll be able to get it figured out in the second half of the season and find a way to chase down Man City. But if not, they do have the Champions League, where they have been really successful this season, and uh, they look poised to do very well in that tournament. Sounds good. So what is dominating my life? 
has been um, Little League Basketball. I'm coaching two teams now. I think I might have referenced this a couple weeks ago, but officially I'm coaching two teams. And, uh, you know, what, what's dominating my life is kids with the same sounding names. I think parents need to think about their teachers and coaches of the future. When they name these kids all the same things, all these uh, Ellie's and all these uh, Alexis's, it's just, it's tough to deal with as, as a basketball coach. And so I think they need to think about these adults later. They're going to have to deal with your kids all named the same thing. So I just, uh, that's my request out there is, you know, my mom talks about it from, you know, teaching in the 80s and early 90s with a bunch of Jennifers. Like, I think, I think we need to do better as a society of spreading out these names yeah. and get them different sounding. Last year I had Anna, Anna's, Anna's, Adley's, like all these A sounding names. And now I've moved on this year to others. So I, I just think that's, that's my new request is that people, you know, let's, let's come together and like spread the names out through communities. So then we have a chance as, as adults leading your children in the future. I think it's reasonable. No, if, if we're, if we're cutting Trevor Lawrence season one, I think this is a reasonable request to have. No, name your children better. Nope. I, nope. Nope. <laughs> you're not on board. I'm not on board because at least those, <laughs> like, you're complaining about names that I don't think kids are going to get picked on for. So when you, when you say they need to be more unique, that's my worry. No, I just, I'm spreading them out. We could have, we could still have the same pot of names, but just, you know, you only get so many in one community. No. And they got to be separated by some years and, you know, have a whole system to it. So like, then you go to the hospital, you get presented 15 names to choose from, you choose one, and then they go to the next room and that, that, that name isn't on the list anymore. And that kind of thing. Could you imagine Leland? I just want to say that to you right now. Imagine that for you when you're naming any of your three children, which I'm sure you had names picked out ahead of time. Well, we were going to name the last one Joe, but we backed out last minute. Wow. Glad I could pull, make you rethink that one. But, um, I mean, just imagine you had names pre-picked. Did you? I'm asking now. Yeah, we. Okay. We- so imagine you had a name in mind, and that's not on your list. <laughs> we, we aren't Penny Hardaway's mom. You know, we, we had came in with a plan. <laughs> well, but some people don't. Some people say they want to look at the child, and then they'll name it when they look at it. I don't yeah. know. I'm not going to no, judge people. Okay. We have My funny joke uh, when, we're, when we have a baby coming, which, uh, as I've publicly said on the radio, won't happen again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we... Uh, I like when people ask and I like it when it's like, like, like you, like a friend or someone they ask and I'm like, Oh yeah, we're going to go with Joe. Like, that's what we're going, you know, just to see that initial reaction and before they like, Oh yeah, you're really good. But like, it gets dangerous with family. So you gotta, mm-hmm. you gotta be careful on who you play that game with. Yeah. You, you can't play that, play that game with family. With somebody that you might actually be an answer or they think that much of themselves and considering, you know, we named our, our third, you know, with my grandpa and my dad in mind for even for the first name, middle name name it's the family name and, and then also obviously the last name but like the first name like we had my grandpa we had my dad in mind when we came up with it so like you do have to be careful about that game but uh yeah it's a fun process i, I always think it's funny the inappropriate not necessarily inappropriate but just the questions that everybody asks it's like they always want to know everything it's just like you, you're not going to know everything we're, we're going to know our kid before you know our kid like <laughs> that's rude that's very inconsiderate of our listeners leland <laughs> 
I can't believe you would do that about your fourth unborn child. Yeah, we're we're, we're the world is suffering because uh, we're we're not bringing that to the table. Well, if it does, just know, listeners, that I will do my best to hold Leland down, and that will be the B block. Will be me asking baby questions in the B block. Yeah. Well, we're not gonna have to worry about that. <laughs> Road is closed. All right. So what I know that you need to know, and uh, if you're game, I'm I'm good for a combined one here. Sure. Uh, let's talk about a Christmas tradition that you had done in the past, but that you don't do anymore. One that maybe you miss, or maybe that you're glad to go away. But what's one Christmas tradition that you used to have that you don't have anymore? And feel free to stay as positive as possible, Joe. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if I, I don't know if there's, none come to mind, really, of a tradition we don't do anymore that, that I miss, or I'm struggling to think of ones where, where I'm okay, it's gone. So Uh, when Santa, okay, so let me just ask a question, like, uh, I just tell me, I want to dive into the Joe Jack household. As it was coming up, mm-hmm. uh, does, is Santa a rapper or is Santa a uh, just lay them out? Santa usually rapped. Ooh, Santa's a rapper. I've always grown up with Santa um, not rapping. He's, you know, quick, in, quick out of my house. You know, he just throws and runs. And uh, that's carried on to, uh, you know, now for my kids. That's how they get them, too. So that tradition has, has lived. I always think it's interesting to see. Yeah, I don't even think it's regionalized. I think it's just like very. Yeah, it's you know, family to family. Yeah, it's and, and I don't think there's a pattern to it. I don't. I don't think it's predictable. Um, are you milk and cookies, or do you get more creative than that? Are you very traditional in that, or we were milk and cookies, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, I think we were milk and cookies. So and you don't leave anything for the reindeer. See, we get carrots out. They leave a mess, though, out in the yard. Those, those darn reindeer, they'll eat, like, half the carrot and then just leave it laying out in the yard. Uh, Can't get them to stop. Well, if the reindeer want to pay for the grocery bill, then I guess, you know, we would have <laughs> given them carrots. But, yeah, My issue, can too, is that themselves. Santa always gets his boots dirty and always leaves, like, Then they Then they're going to poop on the roof. We don't have time for that. No. That's true. But I, I think if, they could, if the reindeer consume... The, the food here, they're, they're pooping on the next roof. We liked our neighbors then, so we didn't do that. How now, the much? neighbors that my mom has now, there are a few that I'd be okay with that. How much does Santa have to pay for parking the sled? It's free, baby. It's, yeah, it's nothing. It's on the house. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I get it. Good dad joke. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what's one tradition that you have now? that you really enjoy? Like, what's, what, what's well, that one tradition you can't wait for recreating this year? The one tradition we have, we all get together, the immediate family, Brad, Mom, me, Muppet Christmas Carol, Christmas Eve, every night. Yeah. Or every year. Not every night, but every year. <laughs> every night of December. <laughs> I mean, I could do it, but Spend some miles on the car. <laughs> and it has to be it has to be the full screen version because that's the one with uh Bell's song. Okay. The the other version Disney cut out the song. Okay. So it has to be the one with the the song in it. Um and if you've seen Muppet Christmas Girl, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um yeah. but it to me, that's important. It, it signifies, like, why Scrooge 
makes the change he does later. It reminds him of that painful moment that he needed to be reminded of on you've been a penny pincher your entire life. Like, this is what it's gotten you. Do you remember that? You need to change. So, yeah. Um, and the Muppets, and the Muppets, you know, did that. The Muppets are great. The Muppets wrote the story to begin with, so they didn't write it, but they did it better than Charles Dickens. I can't help it. <laughs> Jim Henson's. I just a wonder man. what story they would tell if Charles Dickens didn't tell it. Uh, you know, <laughs> again, this is where we get into this, and we're going to get into it this year too, I guess. Like, <laughs> I'm not really saying Charles Dickens stinks. <laughs> I'm just saying he <laughs> he wrote a story, and then Jim Henson was like, "Good job. Now I'm going to improve on it and make it better." With puppets. With Muppets. That's all he needed to do. He did the same with Treasure Island. <laughs> Treasure Island, Muppet Treasure Island is miles better than Treasure Island. Not even close. Have you so, seen like, Muppet Treasure Island? Uh, it's been a long time for that. Oh, you know what, Leland? That's how you but get Robert me over. Louis Stevenson doesn't hold a candle, right? Nope. That's, <laughs> that's what we need to do, Leland. Let's have a. I want to go over and introduce your kids to Muppet Treasure Island. All right. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so I'll fill in my answers to close us out here on this uh, D block. Uh, the one tradition we don't have. We used to have this Christmas scene uh, that I liked, and I'm not much of a singer, but it was nice because we grew up to uh, next to these very nice people up until the age of six. That kind of you know, kind of acted like another set of grandparents for us. And uh, they were very, very close friends with my entire family and, and a huge influence on us. And so then even when we moved after we were six, they stayed that close with us, which was really nice. And we used to have this scene and, uh, where we just sing Christmas carols, you know, completely laid back situation. And uh, we, we'd have that every year. And that was kind of our, like, week of Christmas party at my parents' house. And it was like... Um, them and then my you know my actual grandparents and other close family friends and uh we actually haven't had it for a while so we don't we really don't do it anymore uh, it's actually probably been 10 years plus since we've had one so uh and and that was kind of losing some people involved uh including um um Mr. Morris of that of of that and he was kind of the leader of it um but we kind of tailed off after he passed and then we never picked it up and, and, and then we've lost more people since, but I do miss that tradition. Um, I'm not necessarily volunteering for us to pick that back up again, but I, <laughs> I, you know, if, if we did have it, I'd be excited and, and have as much of those same kind of group of people as we could. Cause it, it'd be a revamped group cause we've added a lot of kids to the situation. So uh, that, that would be cool, but I do miss that. That was always a nice night. And then the tradition that we do that we still like a lot uh, I had this growing up is on Christmas Eve, we open up uh, one present and it's pajamas. It's a predetermined one present. It wasn't just select a box. And so I always like that. And uh, we do that and we read uh, night before Christmas. And I always like that on Christmas Eve because it's kind of a, um, you get one gift, you know that it's going to be pajamas or something, you know, something in that area. You know, I like when I finally got to the age that it was just Nike shorts. That, that was a good trans for me what are we laughing about over there it's not it's i can't hear that and not think of the burt kreischer stand-up where he's talking about getting his wife pajamas you definitely can't watch that in front of the kids but <laughs> i might have to catch up with that because i'm not i'm not recalling what you're talking about <laughs> um go ahead but 
but so that's that's what we have and uh so i like it and you've, you've taken the, my moment momentum out of my nice family moment that i was talking about there but that's fine i grew up with it and i have passed it into to my family uh so it's it's always nice and it's always a nice way to you know like calmly close out christmas eve because usually it's been a busy day and then you're about to have another you know at least exciting day um it's less busy now than it used to be just because we're good to stay at home a lot but yeah, it's it's good, and I like that tradition a lot. And that's kind of one of those half an hours of the those three days of Christmas that my family has that I that I always look forward to kind of the most. Yeah, that's nice. I will say one one tradition we have recently started that I'll mention. We've done white elephant. Yeah, those are always fun. I've never gotten the white elephant. I want that white elephant. I want it in the worst way. I, I've got plans for that white elephant. <laughs> because the thing is, if you get it, you have to bring it back the next year and wrap yeah. it and all that. So yeah. I, I want it so bad. Yeah. I want it. Oh, it's going to get a Facebook page. It's going to get a how Twitter. How big is your group with mm-hmm. that white elephant? Like, how big is your. <sighs> Let's see. There oh, are. There's at least 10, 12 of us. Okay, good. Yeah, I like that. You know, it's I like it with a bigger group. As soon as you get over 10, I think that's that's solid. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm excited for it. I can't wait. It's going to be so much good. fun. Um Is that Christmas night? So, like when do I start like watching mm, my phone? No, time? this year it's going to be a little later. It's going to be into 2022 before I'm able to meet with the family this year just cuz of schedules okay. and Yeah. Uh stuff like that. But um I'm looking forward to it. I, again, hoping this is the year I finally get it. I'm pretty good at being able to figure out which one it is. But I'm never the one that gets to pick it. Someone always grabs it before me. And they don't want it. That's the worst part. I, and they think I'm messing with them. I'm like, don't get that one. Don't get that one. And they're like, oh, okay. And they open it and it's like, oh. Now, the person with that gets a bunch of gift cards and stuff, too. We don't leave them empty-handed. But it's just like... I wanted it. I want it. My brother's the same way. Neither one of us have gotten it. Both of us have plans for that white elephant if we ever get it. If I get it, I'm telling you, the white elephant's coming to VCU for a game. That'd be good. I'm looking forward. Yeah. I want to see it. You'll get a friend request. Yeah, I'll send you a friend request from the white (laughs) elephant. Yeah. Well, that'll do it for us on this episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. Be sure to. Merry Christmas, Joe. Merry Christmas, Leland. Merry Christmas, audience, to all of our listeners, whether you're new, old, or just listen to this because you hate us and you wanted to, you yeah, were hoping to we would argue. Us and hates us, yeah. <laughs> and you were hoping we would argue about which toy was our shiniest toy that we ever opened on Christmas. Is that elephant shiny? Yeah. It's not. <laughs> it is. It's very white, but that's about it. Um, but. Make sure you are following us on Podbean, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts so you never miss another episode. Follow us, Facebook, Yak Sports Pod, on Twitter, at Yak Sports Pod, or you can email us, yaksportspod at gmail.com. Comment on the Twitter or Facebook. Tell us your favorite Christmas traditions or traditions you used to do that you don't do anymore. Please get on there and comment about that stuff. I think that stuff's cool. I like just those yeah, yeah. questions I had. I, answer those. I love that stuff. Yeah. Answer that stuff. Um, if you have any sports things that you want to talk about, too, feel free to throw that in there, too. But I know Lila and I both really do. We are interested. Uh, what traditions yeah. do you do? What traditions did you used to do? 
because this might be ideas for us, right? Like we're always looking to make things fun with family and you know, it's, it's fun. And uh, that's part of the reason for this season is to celebrate that time with family as well. So we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Act Sports Podcast. And until then, folks, have a Merry Christmas. And we'll talk to you one more time in 2021 next week. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.